What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Walking Victory Sunday service. It's been a while. I know I've been off, off my rocker. The, the world is changing right before us. But we're back with another Bible study and an edition. And I hope that you all are safe and remaining safe. Well, today, um, as uh, I'm looking at the transformation of time and things that are going on around us, it has been striking to me that now more than ever, people need the word. Um, people need to understand for yourself where your strength lies. It does not lie in um, praise dance, does not lie in big choirs. It does not lie in government, but for those of us who are believers who have been drafted and adopted into the family of God, our strength and our hope lies in him. And today during our Bible study, I wanted to continue to drive home the points and because it has been a while i'll reiterate some of our key points that when we study the word of god we ought to study the word from a historical and when we looked at the historical context we looked at paul as it related to his apostleship and what he meant by christ being the son of David. And you can go back to um, those lessons and listen in detail. That Christ is the son of David, which highlights his humanity, but he's also the son of God. And these were things that were argued. And when we circle back around um, to Christology, we're, we're going to look at the arguments of Christ from uh, religious contexts. And then what we believe. And then we, we had guests, um, Dr. Jordan and Dr. Stokeland, and we talked about for two weeks the literal interpretation of text and, and why it's, uh, it can be dangerous to do just the literal interpretation without doing a historical work. And when people take things literally, um, then we'll all be walking around either with no eyes or with no hands. If your hand, if your eye offends you, pluck it out, cut off your, your right hand. So we, we looked at the danger of literal text, but then we also looked at the beauty of literal text when you keep it within its historical context. And I'm going to do a solo teaching on Matthew 24 down the line with that historical, I mean, that literal interpretation in mind. And now today we've 
we've come to the point where we're going to look at the grammatical interpretation of a text and what it means to interpret text in a grammatical form and or fashion. And, and I've spent about 20 years um, in study with this <clears throat> and it had to shift my paradigm and my worldview and my understanding of the Bible because I grew up <laughs> in a church where they taught, and this is not the, theological, this is more bibli bibliology, bibliology. Um, but they taught, I don't need theology, all I need is neology. And we put more emphasis on spiritual gifts and prayer, and we were ignorant to scripture. So I made it my life pursuit to dive into scripture text and take an intellectual approach without diminishing spiritual gifts and acknowledging healing and acknowledging the power and the authority that we have as the church to be light of the world and salt of the earth. So there was a, 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 a dismantling of one view at one point in my ministry where I became so intellectual based that I started to limit the move of God in presentation. And then through personal experience and understanding the power of prayer, um, we put the fire back in the furnace by spending time with God. And now we have this perfect blend of uh, spirit and intellect so that we can go into the common world and to declare what thus saith the Lord, which is important for what I do. So today, as I was listening to other podcasts in the context of what it is that we want to try to build, um, I have on a guest, uh, Brother James Early out of Connecticut. I heard him do a brilliant presentation on the importance of grammar in the text. I need you to get Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get your pen, get your paper out. If you're listening, whatever um, device you're listening on, whether it's Apple, iTunes, um, iHeartRadio, I need you to hit, hit subscribe. That's your... Um, currency to us that's your offering hit subscribe and your subscribership is very important and it goes a long way to support what we are doing and then also start becoming a ambassador and, and and letting other people know 
that we are doing some good teaching here. And today I think you're going to be delighted what we what, what we present. Uh, Brother James, can you come and bring your screen in? And how, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing, Naran? Oh, I'm I'm fine, man. Uh, as I said, I, I met you last week, and last Saturday I spent the entire day listening to podcasts. I, I put out that declaration in that uh, Reinventors group that we were part of, right. and and you put yours up, and I dived into it, and um, I, I thought it was masterful uh, what you did. And we'll get into who you are and and where people can find you. I just want to jump right into the meat of of what it is that you brought to the table that day. Okay. Um, and, and it was out of first Corinthians chapter six. What was the verse? Uh, 19, 19. So first Corinthians chapter six, 19. And, and in this Corinthians chapter, Paul is dealing with a lot of practical, um, things that we are still dealing with today, fleeing fornication, be not joined to harlots and, all of those things which were practical. But in the middle of this chapter, he drops this Jew. And it's, I didn't see it as controversial until I heard your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it said, what know ye not that your body is the temple of God, of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own from a grammatical standpoint can you please tell me when you started to dive into the text and, and you can give us some history on why grammar is important when you um jump into it but when you started to dive into the text you you have the floor what was oh. it that you saw okay well you know this is a very familiar verse and and you hear people talk about it all the time in a very reverential way. You know, they want to take care of their bodies, and we should do that. And I, I, one day I started looking at that in a fresh light, and I thought, you know, what does this really mean? Sometimes, you, you know, you've read a verse so many times, you say, yeah, yeah, I know what that means. Mm -hmm. And um, I love the King James Version of the Bible. I love lots of different translations, but there's one thing, and this bears on your point about the grammar, there's one thing in the King James Bible that you don't get in almost any other translation, and that is the difference between the second person singular and the second person plural voice. I studied French and Spanish, and they still have that in some languages where if I'm talking to you as one person, there's a different, in Spanish, it's tu. Um, in French, it's tu. If it's plural, in Spanish, it's usted. And that means you all, we would say in Texas. <laughs> Y'all. And so yeah. there's a, there's a distinct, we don't really have that left in, in the English language today. But the King James, when it was written, that still was something that was present uh, in the language. But then that made me go all the way back to the Greek, um, the original Greek tests, texts. I have a, an interlinear Greek New Testament. I'm not a Greek scholar, but mm -hmm. I do have a, 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 a Greek Bible with the, the words in it. And it, every time that the, when it's you, it has a little 
notation if it's plural or if he's just talking to one person. Do you so think that you're sorry to cut you? I just want to answer. Do you think that your understanding of the Spanish language and um, other languages helped you with understanding this? That that's what I went back to, and that made me realize there was a distinction. Mm. Because when you read the King James, it's so poetic, and hallowed be thy name, and thee, yeah. and thy, and thou, and thine, and it sounds so old-fashioned. But I realized there is a difference. When, when the Bible is saying thee, or thy, or thy, or thine, it means that God, or the person like Paul, is writing to one person. So if you look in Timothy, First and Second Timothy, when he's talking just to Timothy, it's thee and thy and thy. When he's writing to a whole church, it's you or hmm. ye. So anyway, that's in the original Greek text. So all of a sudden this light bulb went off and I looked at this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, in a totally different way because when we hear it in our modern English ears, we think, Oh, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and you have this from God. You are not your own. And we always think that, well, he's talking just to me. But he's yeah. actually writing this. This is a collective you. Um, it's you all. <laughs> it's all of you. In He's, he's saying this in, um, to the whole church at Corinth. And so I know a lot of people that think their physical body is the, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I don't believe there are a bunch. I don't think we're each one separately an individual temple uh, of the Holy Spirit. I think it is a collective thing that we all together spiritually are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ they're not a bunch, not each one of us is a separate little body of Christ. We're all members of the body. We're all members of the body of Christ. And I think there's a similar sort of parallel here. We all are collectively the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. I mean, it's true individually, but it's, to me, it's, it gave so much more power to this passage that, you know, we're not just all these separate little Christians running around trying to do our good things and, mm. and follow Jesus. We are a collective power and presence in the world as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And anyway, just, it just brought so much more depth to what Paul, I think, is really saying there. So, so where we, when we look at the word temple and, and the you and the yees, the plural and the singular, most people in today's context would view that word temple as the physical building that which Constantine released the Catholic church to build. And even in, in, in early church, and we're going back to historical context, they had reverence for the temple and it was almost, they took on the Jewish context when Jesus said, I'm going to tear down the temple. Oh my God, that's blasphemous. So, <laughs> and in the three days, I'm going to raise it up again. So he, he was referring to himself. And I think because we swing either so far right or so far left, 
it's either the temple has to be me individually as it was with Christ and or the physical building that I go to worship in on Sundays. How does that, how does this language play out when it comes in terms of the temple and the temple worship? Well, that's a good question. I don't know that I have the ultimate answer, but I think a lot of times, and kind of going back to what you were saying in your introductory remarks about taking the Bible literally, there are times when that word temple in the Bible is used literally to mean the temple in Jerusalem or a temple to some other God in some other country. But I think in this passage, Paul is not talking about a physical building because he's, he's, the word body, I think, gives us the clue. In the Greek, the word body can mean all these different things. It can mean a physical body of a, a person or an animal, uh, dead or alive. It can mean a, a group of people. And, and that's kind of what, pot, we even use that same language today, you know, a body of, we say the body of believers or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it's a metaphor. The temple represented in the, in the Jewish culture, the place where you went to offer your sacrifices. Mm. And I love to go back to what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, he said, there's going to, yeah, well, we were, we know it right because we're Jews and we worship in Jerusalem. But he said, you don't even know what you're worshiping, but there is going to be a day when you don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship because God is looking for the true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth, not in a material place, not with the, like you said, the dancing and the singing and all these things that we have added on to what it means to truly worship God. And so I don't know if I'm really answering your question. No, you are. Because I think it's, it's a metaphor for Mm. this collective power, the collective body of believers, think of all the Christians in the world today and throughout all time. I think all of us are members, are, 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 are little spiritual stones or bricks or timbers or parts or windows of this temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual metaphor that we are all connected and we're united and we can't be um, I have some friends that live in way off little places. They don't have a church to go to, but they are still faithful. To me, they're still part of the church. They're still part of the body of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit because it's a spiritual thing. And, and, and see, that's where when I was listening <clears throat> to your podcast, I was thrown off because I said I didn't know if you were referring to um, the temple being the building. So and I and me hearing that I wanted to bring in the context especially in the fact that most people are feeling like they have no no altar because the church is shut down in the, oh in sense. right or what I, I don't even refer to the building as the church I refer to it as a synagogue or tabernacle where the church comes to communicate or to commune together so the the the, the We've, we've given, because we've adapted the Old Testament hierarchy system in a New Testament paradigm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to, be, has to do with historically us chasing after Judaism and adapting, even though we 
I'm a Protestant, even though we are Protestant, we still held so tightly to the Catholic <clears throat> teachings, hierarchy and lordship, where Paul is here using language that removes hierarchy, splinters and lord, lordship in the natural sense. And the temple now refers to who the true temple is, which was Christ. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I, I, I agree with that. I, I just think it's in the, the, the part of the problem here is when we read these verses, we are reading them with layers and layers of, and centuries of people's opinions and, and teachings that they were doing the best they knew how they shared what they thought it meant. And uh, that's what you and I are doing too. Mm -hmm, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. But sometimes we have to strip off what somebody t has taught us, even if it's our mother or our favorite preacher uh, or some book or whoever. Um, we have to try to always get back to the original Christianity of Jesus when he said to Peter, "On you are Peter, and on this rock I found my church, I don't think he meant personally Peter as a person. I think he was talking about the what it was in Peter that recognized that he was the Messiah, that he was mm. the Christ. That's, what the, that's the foundation stone that the church has to be built on, is not on a person, because we're all doing the best we can, but we're not perfect human beings. Mm. And he was, um, he was building his church on the fact that God had revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Messiah. He said, flesh and bones, no person told you this. It was God who revealed it to you. And if we are building the church on, the, on uh, people believing that Jesus is the Messiah because somebody told you you had to, that's not the same thing. Even if they're right, that's not the same thing as believing it because God revealed it to you. And, and on on the backs of those that may be saying, well, the Holy Spirit does dwell in the heart of the believer. Hear what we're saying. We're not saying that the Spirit doesn't dwell in the individual heart of the believer, but the Spirit does not dwell in the individual heart of the believer, making him or her an island. Um, if you If you would... James, look at me with in this Romans chapter eight, where where Paul gives this great teaching concerning the Holy Spirit, um, and he moves from us being justified by faith, and then he starts to talk about this new level of 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 oneness that we 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 now explore in in God, looking at um verse 14, 15, and 16. Right. Just, okay, I've got just it. to start. Mm -hmm. So he said, so many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. They, plural. So pl yeah. the, plurality, the pl <laughs> plurality of that connects back to that ye and you. Exactly. It and, happens and in your heart. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, no, I, I want to make the same point you just did, because I think this is really important. And this is where people, this is why I've said this is controversial, because uh, people think I'm saying, oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in us individually. That's, this, the Holy Spirit does. 
but individually we are not a temple. Otherwise, Paul would have said, your, if he meant our physical bodies, he would have said, your mortal bodies are temples of the mm. Holy Spirit. And that's why it gets back to this whole thing of the grammar, is mm. you've got to see the, the actual words he used and what they meant when he used them. And uh, yeah, I love uh, Romans chapter eight is one of my favorite chapters. <laughs> my, oh, my. <laughs> well, I got a lot of favorite chapters, but that's one of them. Uh, and we are the sons of God, and it is a collective relationship. We have yes. an individual relationship with God, but we have a collective relationship uh, mm. with with God through Christ. And I think too much of American Christianity sometimes, this is just my sometimes perspective, is that we have focused too much on our individual faith and our individual Christianity and our individual relationship to God. And I think we need to focus more on the collective relationship we all have together with God and each other. That I think if, if all the different Christian denominations could actually appreciate each other instead of fussing over theology, we would be so much more of a powerful force in the world today. And that and to in, me, in most cases, we don't even argue over theology. We argue over, um, can women preach? Can is those are not theological. Uh, <laughs> well, I might disagree with that because um, in the first chapter of Genesis, it says that God made man in his image and likeness, male and female. He made them. And, and if God, he made them male and mm-hmm. female. So God's nature is both masculine and feminine. So uh, I had a friend said one time, everything is theological because always it, everything comes back to how do you see God? If you see God as the True. old man up in the sky that's throwing thunderbolts, you're going to have a very different theology than if you see God as this infinite creative power that we call love that is both not anthropomorphically masculine and feminine, but spiritually has those qualities that we associate with masculine and feminine qualities, then man and woman are equal. And um, I think Jesus brought that out in his ministry, the way he ministered to women, the way he talked to women, the way he, um, I'm kind of getting a little off track of what you're saying, but I, I do think it is in one sense a theological thing, but you're right. We argue over things uh, I think Jesus would probably roll his eyes at us. Some- lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> <laughs> if he, he rebuked his own disciples, who were like his immediate first-line students, and here yeah. we are. <laughs> he, he might have a few things to say to us. In that, in that same passage of scripture that you referenced earlier when he, when he refers to um, Peter's announcement or Peter's declaration, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. A few verses down, everybody want to shout at that, but a few verses down, he called Peter the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he, he, 
he was drinking from the doctrine of the devil. It wasn't Peter himself that was the devil, but it right. was his selfish, selfish needs overarching the the gospel, so to say, that was devilish. He didn't, Peter at that point, the disciples, even though Jesus told them, they didn't realize there were all these prophecies about the Messiah having to do with the crucifixion. They thought Jesus was still going to restore Israel, you know, to King David's kingdom. And that's not yes. the kingdom that Jesus was talking about when he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His, yes. uh, I mean, you know, when he was talking to Pilate uh, just before his crucifixion, Pilate said, well, are you a king? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And we have yeah. to remember that. It's we a, do. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's essential. If we go back to Genesis, and then now I'm going to tie it all, all together because, you know, preachers get together. We can. Uh, we run off to chase the rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and how God does this, this literature so harmoniously. He promises Eve a seed. Then he promises Abram seed, land, and a blessing. Then he promises David that his kingdom, his seed, shall have no end. But it dates back, this church being one, has to go back into to the seed. The seed of promise is the temple, not the individual. So when, when we pray, um, there's a great hymn, uh, and it says, dressed in his righteousness alone thoughtless to stand before the throne at mm. the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. We're dressed in the righteousness of God wow. as one collective body, not as singular individuals who can sell prayer because we're closer to God than somebody else. Because then okay. we start to get to these, these things where I need Naran to pray for me or it won't happen. I need James to pray for me or it can't happen because we see that James has a closer relationship than God than I am. And when we look at these, these texts in, in uh, Romans 8, it says, whereby you have not received the spirit of bondage again. The, the church, you have not received the spirit of bondage again. But as an individual, you have not received the spirit of bondage. And even when we allow our pastors to put us in bondage or our denominations to put us in bondage, it's dangerous because we have to choose what are we going to believe? Yep. Yep. I agree with that. We, uh, and you know, we grow in our faith. We grow, we, you, you read the same, I've been reading the Bible for over 50 years and <laughs> you know, they put some new stuff in there. It seems like, or maybe, it, <laughs> you know, when they uh, slip you, this in there, <laughs> you, you, yeah. When, when is that in you realize you get a deeper meaning, you get a deeper understanding of things as you put into practice what you know and understand. And the more you do that, the more you understand. It's like, you know, in first grade or printing at kindergarten, whenever you learn that two plus two is two, well, later on you learn algebra and maybe calculus. And, you know, my youngest daughter is getting a PhD in physics and she starts talking math and it's totally over my head. Uh, it doesn't, and I'm not trying to go there, but I think that's the same way with our, when our faith and our understanding of the Bible and what we are able to receive from God, because if God had given me some of the ideas that he's given me recently, 30 years ago, 
I don't know if I would have been ready to receive it. He, maybe he did wow. give it to me and I didn't even hear it because I wasn't ready for it. I don't know. Wow. But that's wow. where, that's where in the, in the Lord's prayer, when Jesus says, give us our, give us this day, our daily bread, we're not asking for a whole year's worth of bread. What if we <laughs> had a year's worth of bread? It all go bad. Well, Jesus is the bread of truth. Yes. Uh, the bread of life. You know, we need we need it in little bits and pieces so we can chew it and digest it as we go along. And um, um, I just think it's important to allow ourselves and allow others that are maybe not as far along in the journey as we think we are. <laughs> you know, we're all growing. We're all learning. And, you know, next week, next year, I may see something that I hadn't seen in the Bible before and say, oh, well. Wow. I, I I changed the way I view that now, kind of like I did with this verse from First Corinthians. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. My podcast is called The Bible Speaks to You, and you can find it at thebiblespeakstoyou.com. There's a tab there for that says podcast. I started last October, and I put it out every Tuesday. My whole goal with the podcast is to try to get back to the original teachings of Jesus, the original Christianity of what Jesus was talking about. Without all the man-made dogmas and doctrines and theological pontifications that we've added on in the last 2,000 years. <laughs> and we have. Yes, we I mean, have. there are some things that Christians believe today that really are just in the last 150 years that have now become sort of standard beliefs, whereas um, a Christian you know, in the first century would not have, uh, would not have said it that way, not have thought of it in that way. So um, I'm not, well, my goal is really to try to get, but what did Jesus actually say to do? Uh, you know, we can argue over theological points, but do, does, do those things help you love your neighbor as yourself better? Does it help you forgive someone? Does it help you love your enemy and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you? Uh, that to me is where the rubber hits the road. And so I'm trying in my podcast, I'm trying to get back to actually putting into practice what Jesus said um, and look at it in a fresh light instead of, oh, well, yeah, I already know what that means. Cause we, you know, you've read these things for years and years and you think, yeah, I understand that. But, look at it like, wow, what, is, what does he really mean here? Ask questions about, you know, when you're reading a text, ask a question. Well, what was, what was that guy thinking? Why did he come up to Jesus and ask him to heal him? He must have thought Jesus could heal him. I mean, the more we examine a text and ask those questions that are sort of in between the lines, that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast. And to get us back, my other kind of tagline is to really experience God's healing power. I, I think that's a very powerful presence in the world today, just as it was 2,000 years ago, and even in the Old Testament, and also to focus on what Jesus meant when he said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. We still don't believe that. We still think heaven is somewhere you go. If you are a believer, that's where you go after you die. Jesus hmm. turned that upside down. He said, no, yeah. the good news is, that was what he first said. I've got some great news here, yeah. the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not way off in the future. No. Now you've got to repent no. before you get there. But that yeah. word repent, metanoia, means 
completely change your perspective. We've got to change from a material earth-based man is born as a miserable sinner perspective to man is made in the image and likeness of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when we look at things from that perspective, we see things differently and we experience healing. We experience God's love and forgiveness and we can let our light shine out into the world. So that's kind of, that's what I'm trying to do with my podcast. Amen. And you're doing a great job. And and I like the whole, the whole perspective of the kingdom of God is at hand. I often remind people that he's a very present help. Yes. Very present help in the time of trouble. And, and, and as you said, in what your podcast is looking to explore to do is also transformation of mindset, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Right. And faith does not come by philosophy faith does not come by self-help faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god so what you're doing on your podcast um is amazing that you can that we have the the stamina to try to be a voice in the wilderness uh and and to share god's word um and when they when people have choices to listen they're going to listen to everything else first because people want to be rich people want to and and now and and me being a mindfulness and and yoga instructor people want to hear the mindfulness people want to hear all those things things like oh wait let me try the bible right and to have good content is is what what I, i i appreciate well thank you very much uh there's one specific um Ish, uh, one of my very first episodes on my podcast, if any of your listeners would like to listen to, um, it's episode number three. It's called Praying with the Mindset of Christ. Mm. Um, so if you go to thebiblespeaksdo.com forward slash zero zero three, there's also, um, I have a little uh, PDF that you can click and download. And they're just, I don't know, a couple of dozen things that I, and it's kind of just a starter kit of what was Jesus's mindset? Uh, well, how did he see things? How did he think? From what perspective did he think? And uh, anyway, I think your listeners might appreciate that. I think so too. And we're definitely going to have you back. And after this clears up, um, maybe you ride down from Connecticut and, and come fellowship with us. And, and I'll likewise do the same. I would love that very much. Um, uh, do you have any final words that you would like to share or you want to close this out in prayer? Um, I, the only thing I would say is that, well, first I'm very grateful for this opportunity to talk. I love to talk about this stuff. Um, and it, it kind of puts the onus on us. Okay. It's one thing to talk about it. You got to go out and do it. (laughs) Yes. yes. Uh, (laughs) Um, and I would just encourage all your listeners to, it's to me, you kind of touched on this earlier at the very first, when you were talking about, you know, our hope lies in God. I think it's about really establishing and nurturing and um, experiencing your relationship with God. It's a two way covenant relationship that we have with God and um, both individually and collectively as the, you know, as we were talking about, but 
you know, we need a kind of relationship with God where we can talk to him and he will hear us and he talks to us and we hear him. And um, anyway, that's, that's my ultimate goal is to help people understand and, and experience their relationship with God more. Wow. And, and I think that is, this is powerful what we're doing right here as we talk about, um, and as we talk about being one in Christ, I have two thoughts and I, and I, I want to finish this one first. We talk about being one in Christ and being unified as the temple of Christ. And I think what was driven home is that we're not individual temples. We're not individual denominations. The name of our church is One Ministries, 79 West um, Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11221, 11 to 12, one hour, one day. Or you can reach us on demand um, and you can go to our One Ministries Facebook page and follow us there. And all of the information for our Sunday morning services are there. Or you can listen right here. I had to do the shameless plug. Um, <laughs> Good. But what happens is we see Christianity as color. We see Christianity as westernized or easternized, depending on where we are. Our worldviews become transcends the Bible. And as we are living through this historic time where COVID-19 has shifted us from worrying about this invisible attack, respiratory attack on people, to now having to come to grips in this country about a conversation that we should have really had years ago without the violence. Right. For you and I to be able to sit down and to have this intellectual conversation about the importance of language, talking about the unity of the believers in Christ, to me, speaks volumes to, yes, we have a long way to go, but we're not as far back as we think that we are. I hope, I hope, I think you're right. I hope, I hope that's true. I think there are, there's so much progress being made. There's so much more to make, but, um, there's, there's, I, I feel so hopeful because I think the Holy Spirit is working way mm-hmm. down deep in the hearts of all mankind, whether they're believers or not. Mm-hmm. I think the Holy Spirit is, um, working way down deep. Jesus told a parable of a, the woman, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who put yeast or leaven in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit is, is, is the yeast right now. And if you look at some bread dough rising, it doesn't look like much is going on, but inside it's chemical warfare in there that bread yeah. rising up. <laughs> and I think, you know, we feel like we're going through a little of that chemical warfare right now, spiritually in the world right now. But I think what I feel is that it's the Holy Spirit bubbling up this stuff that has to come mm, to the surface. It has to be washed away to yes. find the pure love of God. Mm. Through all of our foolishness. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Romans 8, and I'll leave on this note, and then I'll get my final remarks in prayer. Romans 8 and 18 when he's talking about the adoption, he finally rounds up and he says, for I reckon. And imagine that he was talking about this in his time, that the suffering of the present time is not worthy to be compared 
to the glory. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To be compared, not worthy to be compared with the glory. Suffering with the glory which shall be revealed and i believe that in his time these scriptures rang true and i believe that through all historical times these scriptures rang true and as a reformer they talked about when there was a time when there was a called the eclipse of the gospel when it seemed as if darkness ruled the land and that no one was preaching the gospel message and it was the dark period of the church where the gospel didn't seem to be preached. But what they didn't know that there was revival bubbling up and that the gospel was still being preached because the gospel does not belong to man. The gospel is of God and it belongs to his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's concerning his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're, we're so grateful for you, James, and your family. I pray for your, um, your podcast that you continue to grow in listenership um, and that your word spreads, not your word, but the word and the work that you're doing spreads um, for the Lord, because it's important that we remember that it's not about us. It's about him. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity to come together to steer our faith as you move us from faith to faith. A few weeks ago, Lord, I didn't know that we would have this conversation, that we would be sitting in this time, but you knew, for you know all things and you do all things well. And I pray, oh Lord, that Brother James and his family and, and me and my family and all of us who are one in Christ would continue to hold up the bloodstained banner that the word of God becomes our constitution and that we stand on your promises. We're not denouncing the liberties that we have in this country. We're not denouncing the economics that present themselves in this country. But we know that in Christ, you have declared that who the sun sets free is truly free indeed. And we honor you for the freedom that you give us to explore your word with the rule and the aid of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord God, for this study. In the matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Thank God and amen. Amen.